Welcome to the Crossroad International Church Podcast. We're so glad you joined us. It is our prayer that God will use this message to bring comfort to those who are hurting, give hope to those who find themselves in what seems to be a hopeless situation, and to encourage the one who is struggling through a difficult season of life. For more sermon audio, resources, or if you'd like to contact us, please visit CICKuwait.com. We'd love to hear from you. Steve started last week uh, that's called what will you do with Jesus that's a very uh, loaded broad question what will you do with Jesus and it's it it comes primarily from the the scripture that he shared last week in Matthew 27 where Pilate is speaking to the crowd and he asks that question then what shall I do with Jesus who is called Christ and from that question, again, we, we heard many things. Uh, there was a list there towards the end of the message last week that I'll, I'm going to recap now. And that's either we have a decision to either follow or betray him, serve or forsake him, accept or reject him, witness about him or deny him, take a stand for him or compromise our convictions, trust him or turn from him, and finally to praise or worship him or mock him. And today's message, we're going to focus in on that last one there in that list of worshiping him. We are called to worship Jesus. Jesus is worthy of our praise and worship. In Matthew 9, 18, it says, While he was saying these things, Jesus, this is speaking of Jesus to them, Behold, a ruler came in and knelt before him, saying, My daughter has just died, but come and lay your hand on her and she will live. Notice who came in here. This wasn't some street person. This wasn't some lower class in that time, a person of lower class. It says a ruler came in, and what position did he take in front of Jesus? It says he got down and knelt before Jesus as he recognized him for who he was. Matthew 14, 33 says it this way, And those in the boat, this is as Jesus came out on the water and calmed the sea, and when Peter had his famous two steps on the water before he sank, Um, But Jesus comes out and it says, And those in the boat worshipped worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Again, Jesus is God. And Jesus is worthy of praise. And so another question I would pose to you this morning, beyond what will you do with Jesus, is why did you come to this place this morning? What are your reasons for coming to this church this morning? Why did you set your alarm on your, some of you, your only day off during the week to rise early and get up, get dressed, and come to church this morning? Was it for the people that you're going to see? Was it for the Starbucks coffee downstairs? Was it to get an early start so you're not late to your lunch meeting with somebody? Why did you come to church this morning? We joke often... uh, not joke, we're serious, with Joshua, our youngest, when he says he doesn't want to come to church, and then so we've got to start throwing out all kinds of stuff, you know, whether the the friends he's going to see or, you know, we'll get him a donut, you know, whatever it takes to get him out of the thing. 
And the reality is, I don't think any child at that point, I mean, hopefully you're able to instill that at some point, but really we should all be able to say we're coming to church to worship Jesus. That's why we come here. Do I love to see every one of you? Most of you? Yes, I do. <laughs> That's part of it. But at the heart of it all, we must get up and we come here to worship our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I say that, again, even to myself, because there's some days I don't know that I consciously, you know, it's just what I do. I don't know about you, but I'm paid to be here. So it works out, right? But, but we should all be able to stop and to say, I love Jesus, and I worship Jesus, and that is why I get up in the morning to come to church. Psalm 122.1 says it this way, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Now, again, if there was a hidden camera somewhere <laughs> before church when you're trying to get out the house or in the car, would your actions or your tone of voice resemble that you are glad to be going into the house of the Lord? All right? We should be excited. We should have joy to come and be able to worship Jesus. Now, in Colossians 1, uh, 15 through 23, I'm going to read through that. So if you have your Bibles and are turned there, you're welcome to follow along. In verse 15, it says, He is the image, speaking of Jesus, of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on heaven or whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for, again, just this time, this message, Father. Lord, we pray just as we look at this and we examine ourselves that, again, you sent your son, Jesus. Jesus, you came to die you came to rise again. You came to restore our relationship with God. And we thank you for that. And as we go through this time to now today and the scripture, we pray that you speak to our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So again, in Colossians there, this is a, a section of scripture. If you're ever kind of struggling, you know, to worship Jesus, if you will, if you're ever struggling to turn your heart in that direction, this is an amazing scripture. It's an amazing passage. To, to sit there and just to comprehend that by him all things were created, okay? In heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions, rulers or authorities. This is everything was created by him and in him. 
And then this line here that says, all things were created through him and for him. Why were you created? Why were you made? For Jesus. That is why we were created. All of nature, you look around, they're doing what they're supposed to do. And when they do that, they are acknowledging who Christ is because they are functioning the way that they're supposed to. Now, mankind has strayed a bit, hasn't it? During, after the fall in the garden, we, we chose a different direction, but God in his faithfulness had a plan to restore that relationship. In verse 19, it says, For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. Just think about that. In Christ, the fullness of God was pleased to dwell in him. This is the Savior. This is Jesus who, whom we serve. And he did the amazing work of going to the cross and enduring the suffering and pain in order that we can present, that he can present us holy and blameless. And what happens when we struggle to worship Jesus, it's because we tend to elevate ourselves. We tend to focus on our wants and our desires and our selfishness takes over. This is why it's so important. This is why we always say that we need to spend time in the word every day. We need to pray all the time because we need to, because if we don't, we have the, within ourselves, our sinful nature will pull us in a direction that is accommodating to ourselves. And it's away from Christ. And this is why we need to continually dwell on his goodness and his greatness. Because when we do, when we begin to get glimpses of who Jesus really is, we begin to see ourselves for who we really are and understand our, our place in this relationship. And the amazing thing in, in Hebrews uh, 10, verse 22, God promises, it says, Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. Full assurance that we know that as we dwell and as we meditate, as we focus in on Jesus, it's not just us looking to him, but there is a response that he will draw near to us. And we have a full assurance. Amen? We have a full assurance of a faith that he will do that. He has promised that. And in Hebrews 10 there in verse 24, it says this. It says, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more you see the day drawing near. You see, this is the, the problem with some people, and you know what, I have yet to find a person that fully embraces outside of, you know, I know there's certain circumstances that come up at times, but people that say that I just go to church online, I'm a part of an online church, and we're, we're good, and things like that. Well, let me ask you, how many people have you affected in that body of Christ by your listening online? Because unless I'm reading this wrong, it says, and let us consider how to stir one another up to love and do good works, not neglecting to meet together. How do you stir someone up if you're not physically present there to do so? 
We are to gather together. We are to come together to encourage one another, to build each other up, to edify. You see this mentality, what it is, is it's selfishness because all they're thinking is, what can I get from this? What can I receive from this attending online and going to church online? They're not thinking, and people that choose not to attend on a regular basis, they're not thinking biblically in that God has placed gifts in each and every one of you that is vital to this body of believers. It's not just up to me and Steve to come up here and to build everybody up and carry the whole thing. No, God has gifted us to preach. So we're doing our job, but he has gifted each and every one of you to do gifts as well, to share your gifts. And we need to understand this church because we are in a society that is so focused on me that it spills into the body of Christ. And we have this mentality, we see it all the time, of church shoppers, right? Like you're looking at the whole row, like in the Lulu Center, looking at all the cereal boxes, and hmm, which flavors should I pick? Right? But it's not to be that way. We have something to offer. We have something to bring to the body of Christ. And are you doing that? This is all part of worship and worshiping Jesus. All right? Let me, let me share something from a man named William Temple, who was a bishop in the Church of England from 1921 to 1944. And he explains worship this way. Because I just want to make sure we have, there's lots of definitions of worship. This is one I want to work from a little bit today. He says, worship is this. Worship is the submission of all our nature to God. Okay? Submission of all our nature to God. It is the quickening of conscience by his holiness. The nourishment of mind with his truth. The purifying of imagination by his beauty, the opening of the heart to his love, the surrender of will to his purpose, and all this gathered up in adoration, the most selfless emotion of which our nature is capable, and therefore the chief remedy for that self-centeredness, which is our original sin and the source of all actual sin. You know, you see this in the movies, and maybe if you've seen it on, in real life, too, in war or, or anything. Let me ask you a question. When, if you were pulled over by a police officer, or let's say you're in war, and somebody comes up behind you, and they tell you to freeze or I'll shoot, and your back is turned to them, what is the typical reaction if you want to survive that situation that takes place? Right? We raise our hands and surrender. Correct? Anytime you see uh, enemy soldiers who are surrendering, you always see them coming out like this. Correct? That means I have nothing left. I have nothing directed uh, badly towards you. I'm not going to use any weapons because I want to survive and live through this moment. 
I surrender. Why do we raise our hands in a service? It's an act of surrender. Okay, and I know that some churches don't believe in that, but I, I believe that there is something tied to, and, and so do a lot of other pretty smart people uh, that I've read, but there's something tied to our, what we do with our body in relation to God. That means when you pray, I know some, yeah, can I pray driving my car? Yeah, sure I can. But there's really something about those times when you really just take the time and as we get older to get down on, you know, a knee or two and to get down and pray. Yeah, I was going to say, can you help me get, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But it's putting our flesh in a position of surrender. It's putting our flesh down. And there is something that is, does correspond to that. Anytime you put your flesh down, anytime you do something that is not comfortable, there's something about that because it allows God to do things and to show us things in our spirit. And what William Temple said here is just amazing. And, but it is, it's, it's the surrender of will to his purpose Right? And all of this gathered up in adoration. And I like this line, the most selfless emotion of which our nature is capable. We are called to surrender to Christ as part of our worship. I surrender to your will. I have a handout uh, some of the guys are going to start passing out here. And one thing I want to do during this message today in our time here left together, a lot of times we, uh, I know I say it quite a bit, when we talk about singing and praising God in church, and you can go ahead and start handing those out, please. Go ahead. Um, when we're doing that in church and when we're worshiping together, um, we always say that worship is not just a, a set time during the service that we sing. But I think that one, one misunderstanding that can come with that is that it is part of worship, okay? That is a time when we're able to worship God together. And, and, and what we do in our service from when we pray to when we sing songs, from uh, when we preach, every aspect of the service is part of our worship to Jesus. And I want to spend a little bit of time here today and go through uh, this handout here so you can understand some of um, what we do and why we do it. I came across this uh, online and, and somewhat and was able to adapt it a bit. So at the top there, you'll see what the marks that unite us in worship at Crossroad International Church. And one of the amazing things here is, is as you notice, if you've attended here for any great amount of time, and if you've, if you've attended other churches, um, a lot of churches here tend to be, you go in and you see the same color across the board. You know, be, now I know that sometimes the language and stuff like that has to do with that. But you know, there's a lot of churches where it's all Filipino. There's a lot of churches that are all Indian. There's a lot of churches that are all Westerners and white faces. But if you look around the room here, we've got a nice blend going on, right? We can match with anything. <laughs> but this is a picture of heaven and the mix, because we're all going to heaven, right? Amen? So that's what's beautiful. And so 
what we do here is we always say Jesus is at the center. All right, good, good place to be, correct? But that is truly how we live, how we operate, how we plan things, what we do is that Jesus is in the center because the reality is, is we all irritate each other from time to time. Different cultures to mesh together, sometimes it's, it's challenging. But because Jesus is at the center and that's what we share, we're able to work through and in the reality, we're able to grow tremendously because we're able to glean from one another. And we're able to develop a culture based on Jesus instead of where we come from or what we were born into. Does everyone know that the Bible supersedes every culture? And every single culture that I've met, including my own, we have things that exist from our culture that sometimes we can confuse to be biblical. And sometimes we submit to those things even though the Bible says something completely different just because of we're in habit to do that, right? The Bible is our standard and the Bible is our culture. Jesus is our culture. And so, again, hopefully you haven't read too far ahead. Number one there, we are God-centered. We place a high priority on the vertical focus of our corporate worship time. The ultimate aim is to experience God in such a way that he is glorified in our affections. Again, this is all about Jesus. That's all we care about. Uh, if we have the, oh, sorry, you're up here now. I'm looking for you in the back. <laughs> if we have the, I don't know if we have the slide, the main slide, this is the normal slide. We just take the picture down. Pursuing God's glory together. Is there any question what we're here to do? We're here to pursue the glory of God, all right? To make him known, it's all about Jesus. And so everything we do in our service is about Jesus. Number two, expectation, expectation. We come anticipating the powerful presence of God. We do not just direct ourselves toward him, but instead we earnestly seek his drawing near according to the promise of his word, which says he promises to draw near. We believe that in worship, God draws near to us in power and makes himself known and felt for our good and for the salvation of unbelievers in attendance. Let me ask you a question because that's what I'm doing this morning. Did you come with expectation this morning? I did because I knew I was going to preach on this. But we get caught up with the things of life, don't we? The kids weren't cooperating. You and your spouse got into it on the way here. You know, we can get so sidetracked, the guy cuts you off on the road. Or we're just going to the same place at the same time with the same people, and we just get in. It's part of our routine. It's what we do. But do you truly come expecting God to do something? Do you expect to have an encounter with Jesus? We should. I fail at this sometimes. I'll be honest, I'll put myself out there. There are times, again, we have three kids and my wife and I, and we're just trying to, trying to do it, right? Just trying to roll in here on time. If you don't really stop and say and, and, and spend time and, and prepare your heart and God, I'm expecting something today. Because I'm telling you, when we do that corporately, as a body of believers, when we all start coming and expect, 
God will answer. God will answer. Ah, the service was kind of dry today. Sang a bunch of those old songs today. Did you come expecting? God moves based on our, our demand, if you will, our, our call, our desire, not our demand, but our desire to be close to him. When you were singing those songs, were you worshiping him? Were you, were you allowing your heart to reflect what your mouth was saying and vice versa? Was, was it coming out from here or just, were you just reading the words on the screen? We must come with expectation. You know, this picture comes to mind like when I, I can, would come home from time to time if, if I was gone overseas and I see my kids and I'm, I'm just walking at a very casual pace. When they see me, they know security guard or anybody gonna hold them back. They come on a dead sprint to see daddy, you know? There's an expectation, they're looking. There he is, and they go and they're running. And you know what happens typically? I pick up my pace and I pursue towards them as well. That's the same picture we have of our God, of Jesus. Another side note here on expectations, our worship brings the presence of God into the lives of those around us. Once again, this is this idea, not being selfish, okay? It's not just about us. It's about everybody that's around us as well. We shine his light and love into their lives. Jesus said that no one sticks a light under a basket. We are not just supposed to worship privately, keeping it a secret between us and God, okay? We're supposed to worship God publicly. We are supposed to acknowledge him as our Lord and Savior often and always. Third one, we're Bible-based and Bible-saturated, all right? The content of our singing, praying, welcoming, and preaching should always conform to the truth of Scripture. Even more than that, the content of God's Word will be woven through all we do in worship and will be the grounds of all appeals to authority. That's what it comes down to, folks. That's, that's what, we, what we live by, is, is the Word of God. That's what we have. And that's, that is of utmost importance to us. And again, whether it's singing, praying, even the welcome team, with a preaching, any aspect of our service, we want it to be based solely on what the Scripture says. says. All right, the next one, head and heart. All right, the elements of our worship service should aim at kindling and carrying deep, strong, real emotions toward God, especially joy. All right, especially joy. These elements, however, will not be used to manipulate people's emotions while failing to appeal to clear thinking about spiritual things based on shareable evidences outside of ourselves. What does that mean? That means how many here like romantic movies. All the guys raise their hands high. No, romantic movies or even movies, maybe it's a war movie, but anyway, you get the right, you get the right, same thing, right? Now you get a romantic war movie, it's a win-win all around. <laughs> but, but whether it's somebody, maybe the, the soldiers dying on the battlefield or the, the husband is in his last breath says he loves her, whichever picture you have in your mind right now. But you set the right music and the right scene and everything else, what happens? We get emotional, you know? 
all of a sudden the, the, the guy, you know, he's, he's got something stuck in his eye. He's like, man, my allergies are really, really kicking up here. Okay. You set, you do the right music, you do the right scene. We can dim the lights and we can even put maybe some scent that comes out of the vents and it, it sets the whole mood to manipulate your emotions, right? I mean, it's, we are emotional people. We have emotions. God gave us emotions. Okay. So again, we are not going to use the music and things like that just to move you emotionally. That's not our aim. Now, do you, does that happen genuinely? Sure it does, but that's not our goal. And the first part of that, the first line there, the elements of our worship service should aim at kindling and carrying deep, strong, real emotions towards God, especially joy. Are you joyful today? If somebody saw you today, would they know you're a Christian by the way you look? Or do you have a grumpy face? And do you, are you grouchy all the time? Do people not want to be around you because you're just not pleasant, right? We're supposed to have joy in every situation. That's why the Bible says the joy of the Lord is my strength. Well, let me think, if I need strength, that means I'm in a situation where I am weak. So if I'm weak, I'm probably not enjoying that situation currently, but we should still have joy. And through that joy comes strength. Again, another side note for the head and heart. Worship should not be a formula. All right? We don't come in and, all right, we're going to do two fast songs, one medium song, two slow songs. The Holy Spirit, cue him on the fourth song in the second measure. Right? It doesn't work like that, does it? God responds based on our hearts based on our desire when we worship. There is no formula. The only formula is to serve and worship him and to, to be transparent and put it all out there before him. The initial spark has to come from the heart. It has to originate somewhere deep within our soul from that part of us that is desperately needing to connect with God on an intimate level. Worship has to be a result of that connection with God. Physical a physical and spiritual expression. You see, when, we truly, when we're truly worshiping God, everything connects together. We're worshiping him with our entire being. It may start here. This is where worship begins. But then it, it, it goes out from there until we are raising our hands or we're kneeling down. That's putting our body in a position of worship. All right? Our thoughts are not about what we're going to have for lunch. Our thoughts have now turned and changed to how amazing, how awesome our God is and how deserving of our praise he is. You understand? It's putting everything in order together, head and heart. The next one, earnestness and intensity. We will try to avoid being trite, flippant, superficial, or frivolous in our worship. Instead, we will aim to set an example of reverence, passion, wonder, and broken-hearted joy. I like that last, that broken-hearted joy, that even in our brokenness, we can still find joy. Listen, church, we, Steve, I know is the same as I, we, we take this very serious, to take this microphone and to stand before you every week, 
is not something that either of us takes lightly. The amount of time that goes into preparing messages and sermons and to, to prepare ourselves, to prepare our hearts. You know, we don't just walk in and I throw Steve a mic and, hey, go say something. No, there is a lot of preparation that's happened prior to this. And we take with all soberness the opportunity to speak to you from this position. Our worship team, our, our, our uh, music team, I should say, uh, that is part of worship, they too, that's something we, we work towards and we try to foster in that team that, you know, this is not about you. The reality is we could put a wall here, turn all the lights off so you're not even seen. It's not about you. It is about ushering people and helping people to, to move into the presence of God. And that's what we look for in people that are leaders in this church. You look at our leadership in this church, they are some of the most humble people you will ever meet, ever, ever. And it is a great honor to be able to sit with those people and to, to lead this church together with them. And that's what we're looking for, and because that is the heart of a leader. And when we come to this place, we do not want anything to be, when we handle the things that are of God, and moving in God's presence, we don't take that lightly. All right? Authentic communication. We utterly renounce all fabrication, deceit, hypocrisy, pretense, exaggeration, and posturing. We do not pursue the atmosphere of artistic and theatrical performance. Instead, we seek the atmosphere of a radically personal encounter with God and truth. We renounce fabrication, deceit, hypocrisy, pretense, exaggeration, and posturing. Listen, I'm not going to come up here and say, I've got goosebumps. It's the Holy Spirit if it's just the AC blowing down my back. Just to try to stir something in the crowd, to try to get some emotional move happening within you. Because then we're just into emotionalism, correct? We seek the authentic move of God. And if it's not happening, it's not happening. Why is that good? Because then it puts on us, something needs to be changed here. There's something in our hearts that is blocking the move of God in this place. And when God's spirit truly moves in a place, it's when the whole body of believers, as corporately, come in the right place before God. They come into the place pursuing, looking for a move of God, to have an experience with God, to see his presence in a very tangible way occupy this place. When we come in that position, then God's presence, God's spirit will move in a very powerful way. All right? Sure, God will speak to you where you're sitting individually. But if when we can move to a place where corporately something happens... Praise God. That's when, world, that's when the world gets changed. That's when your city gets changed. All right? Twelve men turn this world upside down for Jesus. All right? Anything is possible when you let God do what he needs to do. And we will not fabricate any, anything that's not authentically God. And really quick on that, just another note. We do not pursue the atmosphere of artistic or theatrical performance. It doesn't mean we're not going to ever have a skit here, okay? It doesn't mean we're going to not have special music, things like that. But what we're saying is that we are not going to manufacture the move of God. All right? That's what that's saying. 
So we'll get that skit together at some point. Matt and I were actually talking about that the other day. Next one, the manifestation of God and the common good. We expect hope and pray according to 1 Corinthians 12, 7, all right, that our focus on the manifesting of God is good for people and that a spirit of love for each other is a necessity to authentic worship. Again, that scripture basically says to each is given the manifestation of his gifts or of the Holy Spirit, I'm sorry, of the Holy Spirit. So we all have the Holy Spirit and we want to come together and see the Holy Spirit move, but it will be done in a corporate setting and it will be authentic. And that is also part of our worship. The next one, undistracting excellence. I don't know if undistracting is a real word. My computer didn't like it. It was underlined in red. Undistracting, I don't know if there's any English people here still. Um, but we're gonna go with it because I like it. And it's really good, undistracting excellence. We will make every effort to sing, play, pray. Let's play an instrument, right, kids? I'm not talking about running around playing. We're not talking about that. We're talking about playing an instrument. We will make every effort to sing, play, pray, and preach in such a way that people's attention will not be diverted from the substance, capital S, due to shoddy ministry. Neither will we induce excessive finesse, elegance, or refinement. Natural, undistracting excellence will let the truth and beauty of God shine through. We will invest in equipment good enough to be undistracting and transmitting heartfelt truth. So listen, undistracting excellence. This is why our worship team, our, our music team gets together once a week. This is why they practice, okay? This is why Steve and I, we prepare messages beforehand. We don't just come in here and say, well, let God just lead and guide us how he wants to. Um, can anybody play an instrument? Come on up. Let's see how this goes. All right. That would be not good. All right. Whatever good is, the opposite of that is what would happen. Right. That's not what we seek here. We do our best. We prepare. We seek to, you know, have again, like it says there, to have equipment. We're not we don't got the light show and the smoke machines and all that stuff happening to try to create this event for you to watch and be entertained. We have enough things to be able to to make this a place that you can, you know, you're, you can hear what I'm saying right now, right? You guys with me in the back still? Okay, you're not nodding off for nothing. So you can hear me, right? Yeah, so they can hear me in the back. It probably would be harder if I did not have this microphone that went wirelessly back to this box, into that board, through this speaker, and then the sound waves go to the back. It would be hard. So we want equipment that can do that. We want people to, to give them themselves and to better themselves and to work at, at, and to be, be excellent in what they do, to be good stewards. Now, let me just say, our worship team, nobody on our worship team is a professional musician the rest of the week, right? I don't wanna, is there's no professional musicians through the week? Okay. Everybody has normal jobs, right? Outside of music, they, just, they go to work, right? But God has given them a gift that they're able to use here and so they work towards that and they work hard. Because why? Because then God honors that and God's able to work through them. And so again, undistracting excellence is what we strive for. And um, we just don't want, I like the word shoddy ministry, right? We're not just, we don't just throw this stuff together. And hopefully that comes through to all of you that a lot of work happens 
that you don't realize, that many people don't realize. You know, this table doesn't miraculously just poof and appear this way. We don't, we're not able to manage, you know, over 40 kids during uh, the rest of the year when everybody's here. That doesn't just happen miraculously. All right. How would you like it if you were a parent and we just said, hey, we're just going to throw all your kids into a room and lock the door and let the Holy Spirit take care of them. It doesn't work like that, right? No, it takes volunteers. It takes people to put time in, to print things, and to, to have a curriculum, and to, what are we doing today, and to organize that. That all happens, and the reason most people don't think about it is because it's undistracting excellence. Okay? And I just want us today to just pause on all of these things just to really understand what it is to worship as a body of believers. And we worship God in all these ways, and these are the, the, the key points that unite us in worship. Finally, the last one, which was perfect today, a blending of historic and contemporary music. No church or service can be all things to all people, but neither do we value stylistic narrowness. We believe there are affections owing to God that different melodies and different texts from different genres may awaken better than others. We will strive to be who we are without exalting our own tastes as the standard of excellence or power. We will see God's guidance in each worship setting to be both indigenous and stretching. So bottom line is you're going to see this from time to time. We're going to do like a, a more traditional service. These songs, these older songs, the hymns and things like that, I grew up with these, so I'm fine with this. But I know that a lot of people, some, or not a lot of people, some people prefer the newer choruses and things like that, and modern choruses, and that's fine. But if you're reading the, the words of these songs, if you're truly like comprehending, they're amazing. I don't even have to preach after a, a, a song service like this, <laughs> because you've already heard a whole sermon, right? The hymns are they're amazing. I mean, they're great. But then on the flip side of that, God can st totally move through modern courses. And it's interesting, you know, because we get, uh, sometimes you can get kicked back from either side. You know, why don't you sing more hymns? We start singing more hymns. Why don't you sing more modern courses? Well, <laughs> because, I mean, we could do it in stereo, I guess, and have modern and, you know, hymns on the other side. I don't know. But the reality is, when our heart is right, okay, it's when it isn't right, and that's when we get upset about music or song selections. The only time you should get upset about a song selection is if we're up here singing something that is not biblical. And there are a lot of modern choruses today that, not a lot, I keep saying a lot. There are quite a few modern choruses today that drift away from what scripture says. And I want to stand here before you all uh, and assure you that every song, and Eunice is sitting here, you can nod hopefully, uh, yeah. Um, when songs come in, typically they come to me uh, or Steve, we'll both look, or I look at it, and I usually just, I kill the music and I just pull up the lyrics, and I sit them right in front of me, and I go through it and I read through it. And you know what, there are some good songs that I love to listen to that just are a little off in their theology. And I hate to say no to not, because a lot of people have asked, well, why don't we sing this song? It's amazing, it's beautiful. I'm like, it is beautiful, I, I love this, the, the the melody of it. I love, you know, how it flows. Even a lot of the, there's one song in particular, I mean, literally it came down to one line in that song. And I'm like, you know, we talked about, well, did we just change the line? And 
I'm like, well, that's fine for our service, but then when people go and download it or get a copy of it, it's going to have the other line in it, and it's just not, it's not biblical. <laughs> and we can't get around it. So I'm like, I'm sorry. I really was. I'm sorry. And I had to try to explain it to people. I'm like, I know, I know you're disappointed. But there's about 25,000 other songs that we can do, and hopefully something, you know, uh, gets close. But you're going to see that here. And that's, again, part of our demographic of people being international. We bring this collection of music together. So we come before God, we pray, we encourage one another, we hear God's word, we are reminded that God saves us, that Jesus saves us, that he heals and redeems. We worship corporately because that is where Jesus binds us together. We all have different gifts and different roles in the body of Christ, all right? But we come together to worship together. And we can't just be all just kind of separately worshiping, doing our own thing. It's really, there's something to corporate worship. I didn't set the rules, okay? I didn't, I didn't write the Bible, but the Bible tells us that we are supposed to gather together. We're supposed to sing together. We're supposed to worship God together. Um, I need to go to a place that's going to be hard for some of you, um, American football. Um, not soccer, not football that you're used to, American football. Has, ever, has anybody ever seen this before? Just a few. Does anybody have no, no clue what I'm talking about? Okay, so we're, we're at at least a starting point. Um, if you see American football, and it, it's, it, it's like this in most sports, but American football is really distinguishable because you have... These guys that are, sorry, I don't know um, kilos and stuff, but pounds. You know, these guys are 300 plus pounds. They're, you know, six foot seven, six foot eight. Large men. Now, those guys, if you ever watch football and there's a guy, sometimes he gets the ball and sometimes he throws it down the field, right? Let me explain something very clearly. That is not the person that you put out there to run down the field to catch the ball. Because he would take about five steps and probably pass out from exhaustion. Because he is not built for speed or for grace or for anything else like that. All right? A wide receiver is what they're called, who is usually a, a pretty skinny guy who can run typically super fast. He might be tall, can probably jump from here to Pluto. And that's, that's what they're designed for. Is they're designed to go down the field, this guy throws the ball, and then the guy jumps up and he's able to catch it. Now, the, the, the big, chunky guy has a purpose and a place, and that typically would be in front of the guy with the ball to protect him, called the line of scrimmage, okay? They sit there, and they're basically designed to move other large men out of the way or to keep them away from the quarterback, to which they do very well, okay? And then you have another guy that's able to, you know, somebody hikes the ball, and they put it on the ground, and the guy's able to kick it, 60 plus yards through, you know, some poles, right? My point is that they're all functioning on a team, but they all have very different roles. And understanding how we are to operate and what our place is and what our giftings are is critical to the body of Christ. And when we come together, when we worship Jesus together, the best way that that is carried out is by us functioning 
in the gifts that God has placed in us. There are, somebody, there are people here that, man, I really wish I could get up on the microphone and talk all day. I don't talk all day, do I? No. Um, but, you know, it may not be your gifting. You know, there's some people that just want to grab the mic and they get up here and they're, you know, they just blink and look around and they say three words. No, they're not gifted to, to preach necessarily. All right. Listen, I tried everything else. It took me 20 years to step into this role. 20 years, right? It's a little while, a little bit of time. But I had to understand that that was what God had put in me. So we need to know what God has made us to do and gifted us to do. Let's bring things to a close here. If we neglect worship, church, if we neglect coming to church to worship together with God's people, it won't be long before our relationship with Jesus begins to be affected. Okay? We need one another. You need to gather together like we do today. He gets pushed, Jesus, to the margins more and more as each day passes. The specific content of our Christian faith gives way to vague feelings of being spiritual, and we start to live as though life depends on us more than God. This is our natural sinful inclination. You see, you're putting your, your flesh down when you rise early in the morning when your alarm clock goes off to get ready for church. And two, you know, I, I, I want to encourage you to, to be here on time. You know, there's people that I've come across like, yeah, we, we skip all the singing and we just come for the, the message, for the word of God. Like, you know, I, I appreciate, you know, if there was a prideful, fleshly side, they're like, oh, yeah, well, that's great, because we must be preaching really good if that's all they're coming for. But the reality is, is you need to be here the whole service. In fact, get here early. I mentioned this a few weeks back, you know, I know it's hard at times, but get here early so you can just sit down and let kind of just let things settle a bit. Let your mind kind of quiet down a little bit. Let your heart get right so that when the music starts and you're able to stand, you're able to sing out of a place of worship, not of not waiting and not trying to get things quieted here still. You know, if you come rolling in here on the third song, by the time you we're done singing, you've barely even probably, you know, forgot what happened a few minutes earlier. So come here, come here with your hearts prepared, you know, Come here prepared and ready to worship Jesus together. Finally, worship nurtures our need to be in relationship with Jesus. And I want you to catch this. I did not say worship nurtures our relationship with Jesus. It's, that's part of it. But our, our worship nurtures our need to be in a relationship with Jesus. What do I mean by that? When we worship Jesus, when we worship God, we become less. When we're truly worshiping God through spending time in the Word or through prayer, what does that do? It gives us a much clearer picture of who God is. It gives us a much clearer picture of who we are. And from that, we're able to truly worship God because then we understand how great and how magnificent He really is. So again, we worship because it shows us that we need a relationship with Jesus. Would you stand? Let me pray for you. 
Jesus, we thank you for today, and we thank you for this time together, for this message, and God, I pray that you're just um, honored today, that you are pleased with the service that we've given you the proper adoration and the proper glory that you are owed and that you deserve. And Lord, forgive us where we, again, handle things that are holy, where we, your presence and God, just uh, your love and your mercy. When we take those things for granted and God, the amazing thing is, is your love never changes, that you are constant and that you love us regardless of when we, when we stray away. But God, we thank you that when we can truly look to you, when we can truly worship you, that you promise to draw close to us. That you can be an awesome, amazing, all-powerful God of this universe, yet you've made a way for us to have personal relationship with you because you love us. God, I pray that our hearts will be turned and that we'll become right, Father, when we come to this place, that we don't take coming to church just as attending any other function, but that we are coming with expectation, that we come into this place with the joy of the Lord, that we truly spend time to build each other up, not just seeking selfishly on what we can receive, though that is part of it at times when we need to be built up ourselves. But Lord, when things are going well, when we are Full and we are we're doing um, we're in the place that we should be with you, Lord. Let us look for those that are hurting around us, to build up, to encourage, to pray with. God, I pray that we're quick to share our struggles with one another, not just to to show our weakness, God, but to to celebrate when you bring us through things and when you bring us out of things from our past. We thank you, Lord, that you love us so much and that we will truly be able to say that we come to church to worship Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for blessing this day, this time together. Thank you that our hearts, Lord, have received your word and that we put action now to what you've shown us today, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.